Hello and welcome to Wine and Real Estate. Bonjour, bienvenue à Vin et Immobilier. So every week we like to talk about wine and real estate, two of our favorite topics, and sometimes we'll even bring on some guests. So we look forward to sharing some tips and tricks with you about wine, about investments, real estate, and just have a good time. See you soon. Chin chin. Welcome to another episode of Wine and Real Estate. Bonjour tout le monde. So uh, today, as you can see, I'm doing a video by myself. François is away in uh, New Brunswick and I have my uh, little technician with me <laughs> helping me out. My, my teenager daughter is, well, our teenager daughter is helping while François is in New Brunswick because I have no idea how to do an Instagram live. So anyway, Today I'm excited. We're going to be talking about um, this, well, wine and real estate, obviously, but this Malbec, uh, which is from Argentina. It's really good, but uh, we actually got it as a gift from uh, Laurel Simmons from the Right Club. And uh, well, as some of you may already know, she's a wine expert, so that's very exciting. And um, I'm enjoying this quite a bit. We were saving it for a special occasion, but this is motivation for François to come back. I'm going to drink all the good wine until you come back. <laughs> so today I'm also talking with uh, Charles. Um, Charles is uh, going to be uh, with us in just a few short moments. And Charles, I'm just looking for his last name, sorry. Charlie. Charlie is going to be talking with us today about uh, mortgages. He's a mortgage broker in the Toronto area. So I'm really looking forward to talking with him about uh, mortgages, um, real estate investing, and obviously uh, about wine. So we're just going to wait a few minutes for Charlie to uh, get on. I'm just going to just double check because uh, my technician isn't quite as good at this as Francois. Bonjour, bonjour. Ah, bonjour, Charles. How are you? Comment ça va? Très <laughs> bien, et toi? Ça va bien, merci. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was uh, I wasn't sure if you knew which uh, which uh, Instagram I was coming on, but he, we got the right one. Yes, I, I wasn't sure really, and uh, <laughs> Ross was actually calling me at the same time because <laughs> my daughter is helping me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're gonna postpone since I'm in New Brunswick. And I'm like, oh no, no, I'm gonna do it, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, Franco was telling me he was in New Brunswick. He's uh, you guys are doing uh, an investment out there. Yeah. So, to start. Off, do you, want to, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself for people that are listening that don't know uh, who is Charlie? <laughs> yeah, 100%. So as you said, Jennifer, my name is Charles Kaitaba. I'm a mortgage specialist out in the, the GT, uh, GTA area, just out of Mississauga. Uh, I specialize in residential real estate, but also starting to dip my toes in commercial financing as well. Oh. Um, yeah, just a little bit, but mainly my where my specialty is, is all residential. So um a side b side and, and private money okay so you've been doing a, a little bit of all three of those correct correct oh that's interesting so uh how long have you been doing a mortgage brokering ah no it's interesting story uh we we have time so it's good so <laughs> I'm, I'm, i would probably say I'm, I'm actually relatively new to the business i'm almost at my one year mark i'm oh. about yeah I'm, a, I'm about 10 months in if if i have it right um 
my background actually was I started off managing my own fitness studio in the, in the GTA. Um, I had a passion for real estate, so I was able to uh, uh, do a small investment with my family. Um, and then from there, once we got through that process and we got tenants in the basement, um, so it's a legal duplex, we got tenants in the basement. I'm like, wow, this is so much easier than working all day, every day, you know, managing a studio, employees, yeah. people coming <laughs> sick, yeah. So I got my mortgage broker uh, license on the side, kind of like, you know what, I can do this and broker my own deals because I really wanted to get into investing. That was my, that was my, my main goal. And um, yeah, and one thing led to another. I'm like, you know what, I really have a passion uh, to be more on the broker side of things. So I left the, I left the gym business and the, the fitness industry and look what happened now with COVID and everything, right? Um, yeah, so, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so just, I guess just in the time. And then, uh, yeah, and then I got, I became full-time in the mortgage business as of uh, just at the end of February, beginning of March. So literally two months before COVID and then it's taking me to here. So it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, wow, that's a, that's a good story, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's good that thing that you transitioned before the COVID because otherwise it would have been more difficult maybe for you you know with the, like all the gyms having to close and uh, it's been like a bit of a nightmare really like a lot of them have had to close and then they yeah. open and close and open so no oh. way exactly you, you really get to see the the power that real estate has had in in your life so yeah what, what are you drinking uh, Charlie uh today I'm drinking I'm, I have to admit. I am not the wine connoisseur. That's my girlfriend. So I'm uh, still... That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still... Uh, my palate is still being tested. So this is my favorite. It's a white wine. Uh, it's Chilean. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, Santa Carolina. Oh, nice. I love uh, wines from Chile. I, I'm not much of a white wine drinker, but I think that, that um, it's a good place to start off if you're not much of a dr wine drinker yourself. Yes. Because usually there's a, they're a little bit more sweeter than red wine, so. No, and, and that's, that's the thing. Cheers. And that's the thing for me. I, I don't, I think sooner or later I will develop into a red wine, but it's too, it's too bitter for me. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, like I'm, coffee drinkers. They always start off with lots of sugar. And then now I don't take any sugar. And when somebody makes the mistake of putting sugar in my coffee, I'm like, ooh, that's like syrup. <laughs> Do you know what? That's funny because when I was at the gym, I was a big coffee drinker. Oh, yes. And I put a lot of sweetener in my coffee. I still do a little bit, but. <laughs> so maybe that's why I like the. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's like why I like the white wine then. <laughs> oh, that's. Well, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So going back to mortgages, uh, yeah. uh, A lenders, B lenders, and private money. Private um, money as well, correct. And it's mostly uh, residential. You said, are so are you starting to work with with investors? I guess uh, it kind of ends up coming along eventually. I find. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like a hundred percent, right? But I, I feel like at the end of the day, um, a lot of people who who get into real estate um, sooner or later they they do want to potentially own uh, a rental property of some sort, right? Cause again, they realize the power of real estate mm -hmm. of being able to get the, uh, the monthly cash flow while still maintaining, uh, their full-time job or whatever, and just have an extra income. Right. So I feel like sooner or later you, you do start working with investors because mm -hmm. as a, as a mortgage broker, let's be honest, that's where the majority of your business is really coming from. I feel like, um, 
because those are the ones who are going to require more of the creative financing, if you want to call it, working with B lenders and private lenders, right? Um, I find that most professionals, you know, salaried employees who, uh, they're, they're just going to naturally go to the bank is their first kind of option, yes. right? Out of reflex, go to the big bank, go to TD, go to Scotia to get, to get their mortgage, right? But once you realize, you know, again, being um, an investor yourself, you can only carry so much, so many homes under your personal debt load before you're going to have to venture off to the B side, maybe to private, et cetera. And that's where the mortgage broker comes in handy, right? Because we just have a few more options. Yeah, it's great to have the extra options, absolutely. Because you always do end up hitting a wall after a few properties. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. what do you find uh, as working as a mortgage broker? What's the biggest difference between the A lenders and the B lenders for people who are maybe listening that don't yeah. really know what that means? Right, so a, a lender is essentially someone um, or well, A-lenders are your big commercial banks. So your big banks. So you have like your uh, RBC, your um, TD Canada Trust, your Scotia Bank, CIBC, etc. And essentially, they will only lend um, with individuals who have a certain criteria. So generally, you can already imagine um, decent, stable income, very little to no debt, right? But obviously, considering the economy that we live in, not everyone can fit in that box, more or less, right? For many reasons. Um, now, that's where the B lenders come in handy because they're simply able to lend and give you a mortgage or financing um, on uh, individuals or, or businesses that most eight lenders don't feel comfortable lending on due to, quote-unquote, being a higher risk, right? That makes sense, yeah. yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean you, the person, are you don't make enough, right? Like you say, you could be, you can make more. You have a six-figure salary, but if you're looking to purchase four or five homes, that's too much debt load under your personal name, right? So they're gonna yes. wanna, you're gonna have to go to the B side eventually to service that debt load. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And also, I find that B lenders. I don't know if you found that as well, but I find B lenders will be a little bit more warmer to the idea of secondary and tertiary markets where sometimes the A lenders yeah. uh, kind of shy away from those a little bit more. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Right now, yeah. what I see is uh, cottages are very popular right now, actually. Yes. Yeah, so I, I find a lot of people asking for mortgages for cottages. We bought yeah. cottages here. No, <laughs> and, and that's what it's supply and demand. Now that the, um, I feel like the cottage country, the cottage business is booming. Again, I think it's a little bit due to the COVID, right? People want to have a getaway, uh, somewhere they can go yeah. to on the long weekends, just to, you know, get out of the city. Uh, I find that some A-lenders now are, are reaching out to, like, the Wasegas, um, and kind of farther out there, like, the Blue Mountains and the cottage countries, um, because the demand is that they realize there's a, there's a, there's a uh, opportunity to make a lot of money um, in those, you know, further places. But generally, like you said, like when you start going up north um, mm -hmm. or out west, east, B lending is probably the best bet for, for you. Because, yeah, they're just more open to the idea. They're a little more flexible, right, in, yeah. in terms of their lending areas. That's why you pay more. They're more flexible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. You do pay more. You do pay more with a B lender, yes. Yes. So um, do you want to maybe just uh, explain to people as well for, for private lending, how does that work when you're working with a mortgage broker? Yeah, so it, um, private lending is actually pretty straightforward. Um, essentially, because you're essentially dealing with a, uh, a private entity, with, which can be an individual person or their individual company, they're not under the same lending guidelines and restrictions as some of the big overhead banks, right? So they're able to, you know, 
lend on a little bit more riskier deals. With that being said, I think the most important thing in terms of private lending is um, location, location, location. So where is the property actually located, right? And, and does it have equity in it? Because then if there's enough equity in the deal and it's in a prime location, then most private lenders have no problem lending out their money because they know if anything happens, right, foreclose the home or can sell, they know they'll be able to make their funds back, right? Yes, exactly. So, so we, have, we have a question here from Scott Temple. He said, how much more are you finding is the difference, uh, I believe is what he's asking, between A lenders and B lenders, like for Different. interest rates? Interest rates? Um, do what? Very good question. You said that was Scott, Scott Temple. Yeah. Yes, that's a very good question. So right now, again, it, it really depends. So the lowest, it varies, right? So if you're looking, let's say, for example, um, a 20% down, so you're not doing a CMHC, right, on the A side and B side, it could be as much as just 1% difference, really not that much, right? Right now, I know uh, community trust, equitable, the lowest rate you can get on the B side for a primary residence is two point nine nine um in the midst of COVID, it's not bad just th just two and a half years ago three years ago on the a side rates were almost were around three percent right so um 2.99 on the b side really isn't that bad and even in the midst of covid uh, we had one lender drop down to 2.79 on the b side right so so do you find that covid is making interest rates go down or up or um Oh, Are they kind of like doing the roller coaster, like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, down 100%. Um, because simply they, the banks are trying to find a way to stimulate the economy, right? And yeah. Canadian real estate being so strong and being a pillar for the Canadian economy, specifically in Ontario itself, um, there it, it forced its hand to lower the rates. That yeah. way, it will stimulate at least people still, you know, Canadians buying homes. Um, because again, with the borders being closed, we take away a huge real estate investment population from foreign investors from either south of the border or those coming out of country, right? Um, so that's why right now with the rates being this low and the, uh, and the borders being closed, you find out we're finding a lot more Canadian investors, which is great to see. Uh, a lot more homegrown investors and really getting into the real estate business, whether that be for your first time home buyer, being your first purchase, or, you know, someone who's looking to invest and get multiple homes. But definitely, the rates are low. And based off all the reports from Bank of Canada, they're thinking they're going to stay this low uh, for at least another year to year and a half is what all the, all the, all the news and, and all the lenders are saying. Oh, well, that's good news for investors. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott actually asked another question, or I don't know if maybe I, I misunderstood the question, but he said, how many points for for private lenders like the rate in terms of how much they charge you for private money yes, okay, just uh... okay um again it, it depends on the uh it depends on i would say it depends on the transaction every transaction uh transaction is obviously different yeah um, it varies as well but right but i would say exactly but as i say i'll give you a range um generally for uh, a first mortgage right on a private side you're probably looking anywhere as low as 5.99 to as high as 9.99 um now with private money again they get to control their fees right depending on which private lender you work with so i would say probably a three to four percent lender fee is pretty typical um yeah so yeah three to four percent on the actual loan amount and then on the first uh first private mortgage again 5.99 to you know eight nine percent if it's a second mortgage then you're looking at higher interest rates right you're looking potentially closer to 10 up to 14. 
okay, makes sense. And then mm. that, uh, Timothy Graves asked a question, uh, loan to value for private lending, do you find that it's typically uh, 80% loan to value or it, does it vary as well? Um, it varies a little bit, but you can bet on a minimum of 80%. Like, their most private lenders won't go higher than 80% LTV because there needs to be there needs to be equity in the deal, right? Um, because if there wasn't, then they'll just say like go to the B side or the A side if that was the case, right? Um, and it, it serves as a blanket of security. So realistically, depending on the deal, looking probably no more than 80%. Um, but realistically, again, if it's a if it's a purchase, you know, you're looking really 70 to 75%. Um, but there has to be 20% equity in the in the property. You won't really find more than that, especially during COVID and the times that we're in, private lenders really tightened up on their lending. Uh, makes sense. But um, I guess then the question would be, what do you find is the advantage to going for a private lender if that would also be the case for an A or B lender? Right. Um, the only, honestly, the only reason why you go to a private lender is, for example, um, you're doing a flip, right? Most banks won't finance a flip, right? Especially if you're someone who, let's say you have a solid uh, team around you and you know, okay, we're going to be in and out of this property turnaround time, six months, right? Mm -hmm. Then, and you have confidence in your team from start to finish, six months is back on the market and you can sell it. Then you want to probably go with a private lender, all right, first mortgage, Right, that way you're only paying interest-only payments, so four, five, six hundred dollars, whatever it is, a month, depending on the obviously the purchase price, for six months, and then you know you're gonna sell it right after, and it's an open mortgage, so there's no fees or anything to break, right? So I think private lending is really for the real estate investor, right? Um, quickness, speed to get in a deal, to lock it up, right? Because again, like there's a lot of competition right now in the market; it's really, really hot. Especially in Ottawa. I know that Ottawa is, is, oh. is growing. Um, where I'm from, St. Catharines, originally, it's a booming market. That's St. Catharines, Niagara uh, region area. Um, so it's really just to lock up a property. And then obviously, um, if you need it, you know, if you, know, you fall on hard times, you can use it as a backup plan as well, right? If you're not able to qualify um, for a mortgage on the B side or, or something along those lines, whether you may lost your job or whatever the case may be, then you probably want to resort to a private lender if your mortgage is maturing, right? And you, you, need, a, you need to get, it, get into one quickly. Okay, well, that all makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, are you mostly working with real estate investors and people that are looking for mortgages in the St. Catherine area or what, what uh, areas are you working in? Charlie? Well, right, um, I, work, I get a lot of business, I would say in the GTA. Um, but because of my, uh, I would say my network in, in, in Niagara, you know, down to London, those areas, um, just through like university and like friends and stuff like that, I'm definitely starting to, um, hit those areas a little bit more, but it's mainly with real estate investors, not so much first time home buyers or people looking to buy primary residences. Um, definitely like real estate investors, uh, people who are, you know, doing JV partnerships and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, even the London market is really hot right now. <laughs> yeah, no, London. I haven't uh, haven't tied up a deal in London yet, but I'm. I got a lot of people reaching out to me and, and stuff like that again because you know I never realized how big wholesaling was in London. Yes, well, wholesaling is is gotten really big. I find everywhere. There's yeah, 
So do you work with wholesalers? Uh, I do. I, I have connected with a wholesaler um, and it just makes it easier because um, he obviously finds deals with real estate and obviously he, he pitches them to real estate investors in his network. And then generally, if they need help closing or financing, um, he tells them, we kind of work together as a team. He's like, I have someone who can provide financing for you if you can't close in the time period, all right? So it, it works out. So yeah, I do I, one wholesaler. Um, but uh, from there, I've been able to interact and get into different like real estate investment groups and things of that nature. So it's definitely been uh, extremely beneficial. Yeah, that's great. That, that's a great partnership to have, a, mer a mortgage broker and a wholesaler together. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Good idea. So and, uh, what, what would you give uh, as advice for real estate investors uh, when they're shopping for mortgages? What would be like your top three tips? Oh, excellent. I would say the f very first thing, and again, you guys, again, being the savvy real estate investors you guys are, is... Obviously, understand um, your your project. Are you looking to do a flip? Are you looking to do a buy and hold, right? The mm -hmm. burst strategy, et cetera. Because then that's going to dictate on how you want to get your financing done, right? So once you figure yeah. out what you're actually looking to do, your second step, I would say, is go uh, sit down and visit your, your mortgage specialist that you work with, right? Um, simply being, because you want to know what you can get qualified for in terms of, what's your, the buying power and the purchase power that you actually have, whether you're buying it with yourself or you have a team of people, right? Yeah. Because once you get all that sorted out, it's really straightforward from there. You just, now you just have to go out with your real estate agent and find the property. You don't have to think twice about putting an offer down uh, because you already know what you can qualify for in terms of um, purchasing price. And you already know that you're the buying power that you already have um, based off the conversations you've had with your, your mortgage specialist. I would say that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. Really get on the same page with your mortgage specialist and understand the actual investment strategy that you're trying to implement here. Because again, if you're looking to do a flip, then that's going to be completely different financing if you're going to be doing uh, a buy-in long-term hold, right? And a buy-in long-term hold is probably going to be a little bit different from the, um, um, let's say, a short-term hold, right? If you only want to hold it for about a year, a uh, year and a half, and then you want to sell it after that, right? Because we have so many different lenders that, out for, that offer so many different products. Yeah, that's so true. And that's a, such a good point as well because uh, you have to have all your ducks in a row when you go out there to buy, because uh, the, the way the market is so hot nowadays, you can't even seem to put conditions on your offer. So you have to make sure that exactly. you're yeah, approved for your finances and that everything is in order. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, I find that in the industry, it's going gonna, it's gonna to boil down to the mortgage specialist, right? Because if, you, let's say, unfortunately, you put an offer, you think you have the financing, but it doesn't fall through. You don't put conditions on it. You lose your deposit, right? Now that's an uncomfortable conversation you're going to have with your mortgage specialist. So that's why we tell people it's really good just to make sure you and your mortgage specialist are really on the same page before you go out and um, and shop aggressively in this market. Because you have to. You have to be aggressive oh, yes. um, when you're putting in offers now in order, to, in order to lock them down, right? Oh, absolutely. That's so true. And I find, and I'm sorry to say this to you, but... I no, that's all right. The mortgage part is always like the worst part. It is. <laughs> it seems that there's so much involved in, in getting everything all lined up. 
So I think it's important to work with a good mortgage broker mm -hmm. as otherwise you're just like, I just almost want to cry every time. <laughs> no, I, listen, I completely understand. And once you find your mortgage specialist, cause that's the thing, everyone has, you should have your person or maybe one or two. That way you don't have to always explain your story, right? Yes, because it's like you start all over again. You, it's like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, you start all over again, right? Yeah. And just once you understand their story, and once I understand what the client's looking to do, then it's easy because I know the first, second, third, and fourth transaction, they're going to be relatively the same. We saved our files on whatever CRM systems we have going on, our laptops, uh, laptops desktops, et cetera, and we go from there, right? Um, but building a relationship with your with your mortgage broker, especially being an investor, I would say, is imperative for your uh, for your investment career if you plan to do this long term. Yes, well, especially since your mortgage broker has to realize that how many transactions are you planning on doing, and in how many and what period of time. Yeah. Because, um, he has to be on board with all of that, and sometimes it's a it's a bit of a exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. And and that and you make a good point, right? So I always tell my clients, like, the more I know, the cheaper your rate, right? So a lot of people, they, mm -hmm. they get, I don't want to say uncomfortable when we ask a lot of questions, but it's only for your own benefit because the more we know, I, we work for you. The, that way we can structure your deal in a way that we make sure that you can get approved for financing and maybe you don't have to put conditions down, right? Um, to to secure that property. So again, once you find your your mortgage specialist, hold on to them tight because you're never gonna have to explain your story or what you're really looking to do again. Because they know, okay, uh, Francois and Jennifer are real estate investors. You know they're doing burst strategies because they want to build wealth. Perfect. Now I know anytime they come to me, I have everything saved in in my documents in my portfolio. Really, only thing I'm plugging in is is their income has changed credit scores are probably going to stay relatively the same uh, and what lenders are going to be able to service this type of debt loan, right? And then you're just kind of plugging in. It's like a puzzle, like a storybook. You're just kind of filling the rest of the pieces and you go from there. Yeah, that's so true. So what do you, th what do you think uh, is one of the, the most important things uh, to look for in a good mortgage broker? I would say um, someone who has experience in what you're looking to do, right? Um, now, I mean, not all mortgage brokers know all the answers, right? Because, again, there's the lending regulations and rules change almost every month, especially in COVID. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Things change with a snap of your finger, right? But I would say someone who, who is able to help you personally and what your long-term goals are. So if you're, um, again, if you're looking to invest in real estate, because, again, that's the topic of the, of the show today, and you, and you want to, you know, uh, purchase not only one home, but you're looking within the next couple of years, you want to close on two, three, four, five deals, right? You're going to want to work with a mortgage specialist who's comfortable with shopping around your your profile with different private lenders and B lenders and have some sort of relationship with B lenders, right? Because of what I find a lot in the, in the mortgage business, especially on, on my side, it's relationship-based. People and underwriters, they recognize your name. Oh, you submitted a file to us three months ago, it was really good. You build the rapport, you know, and it's easier to get files through that way. Um, once they see your name, you build that relationship, right? So if you're, in a, if you're someone who's an investor, you wanna work with an investor-based mortgage specialist or someone who has like, some experience with working with real estate investors. If you're simply looking to purchase a home, all right, 
um, and that's more or less it, nothing too crazy, well, then you have a little more options, right, in terms of anyone who has some experience. Again, most mortgage brokers do doing residential real estate because that's where we all start off. If you're strictly commercial, five plexes is enough, right? Mm -hmm. Chances are you're going to want to work with someone who has some sort of relationship with all the commercial lenders, uh, yeah. who work with commercial, you know, and know how to uh, put together a commercial profile or document for you. Yeah, that's so important. Um, actually, we have another question. Do you work with self-employed investors? And, and if so, maybe explain a little bit how that works. Yeah, no, 100%. So self-employed income, it screams really one thing, uh, the B side. Unless, uh, unless you've been self-employed for more than two years, then there's chances are you can um, get a home or rental property with, a, with an A lender. But if you're a self-employed and a real estate investor, it's much easier to go to the B side because again, the debt load is going to be carrying over. Right. Um, and it's just going to be too much. And essentially uh, with those individuals who self-employed uh, on the B side, we really just need uh, six months bank statements of your business or if you're a sole proprietor, because we can annualize that over the year um, and count that as sufficient income. I've seen They're some lenders. They're looking at two years income. Yeah. They won't even look. Yeah. Some B lenders will just look at six months. Heck, I've, I've even seen three months on the B side. Okay, wow. Yeah, and, and we're just able to annualize that over the year. Now, the reason why is because the reason why that helps us, especially in the times that we're in, because of COVID. If you're self-employed and your business went down, right, during those yeah. COVID months, but let's say from when the economy opened kind of back up, uh, August till now, your business was up and running. It's on fire. Well, we can use those last five months and annualize that over the year um to try to qualify you for a mortgage that way right oh. um, so that's the flexibility we have on the b side and then obviously though credit down payment those things are really non-negotiable yeah i'm sure that that's, that's the case whether you're self-employed or or yeah. a traditional employer exactly exactly on the b side you have a little more flexibility you can go down to around 600 um down payment is 20 percent regardless okay yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. So you mentioned also, uh, Charlie, um, the commercial side of things, like uh, that's kind of where Francois and I are at now. Nice. Uh, five units and up. Uh, do you want to maybe Beautiful. talk a little bit about that? So how, how does that differ from your traditional uh, residential kind of uh, mortgages? Right. So um, it's funny. I just, just hopped off a call. We talked about this. I have someone, an investor who's looking to get out of the residential game again to more commercial. So what people have to understand is, uh, first of all, commercial is anything over five plex and up, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why um, commercial is so good outside of cash flow and things of that nature is that it actually doesn't go under your personal debt load, right? It's seen, it's seen as its own corporate entity, its own business, more or less, right? Okay. So you can buy as much commercial res uh, properties as you want, and it will never affect anything you do on the residential side because it's, it's seen as its own separate entity as a business. It doesn't go under your personal name. You kind of mentioned entity. Do you do you mean that you have to have a corporation? Like I'm just trying to to yeah. Uh... Um, no, you don't. You don't. You don't um, have to have a corporation. Um, <laughs> but essentially, it it is making money, so it's seen as a business. Okay, so that's how the banks are looking at it, as opposed to how they look at a residential. Market. Exactly, because when let's say I were to buy um, uh, a property. It will be under Charles Kai Taba, right? This property, this is the loan. This is the loan that Charles has, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, on the commercial side, it would be uh, let's say the address is one, two, three, 
Farmers Avenue, right? It'll be one, two, three Farmers Avenue is making this much money off rent, et cetera. Okay. These are its expenses, right? So they're able to separate the two. So what what uh, are the lenders looking for in that kind of case? Are they looking for yeah. a certain covered, coverage ratio? Or how yeah. does that well, I would say um, the bank's really looking at, at, at three things, right? First thing is the net operating, uh, net operating income, right? The NOI. Um, and just to explain that for those who aren't sure what that is, that's simply the, the revenue of the actual property while you subtract all its expenses, not including the, the debt load, all right? Um, that's the first thing. And then they're also going to look at the debt service ratios, like you said. Um, that's taking that same net operating, uh, net operating income, excuse me, and that's going to uh, divide that by the um, total debt service ratio. So your debt load, um, principal payments plus interest, and generally what they look right now, around 1.6, and essentially that's going to tell you that at that uh, income, it can serve, that property can serve as about 1.6 times its debt load. Um, before COVID, it was around 1.2, but obviously, again, things have, tightened, things have tightened up a bit. Um, and then lastly, the cap rate, uh, capitalization rate, and that's simply the rate of return on the property. That's more so for investors just to see if it's worth the investment or not. Um, mm -hmm. Again, that's net operating income subtracted by the, the asset value. So do you think that banks a certain cap rate as well? Like, are they looking at only eight and up, or...? Um, it, they, they'll look at all three together, right? Okay. But I would uh, all three together to paint a bigger picture, because um, okay. obviously the cap rate won't be high if you find distressed property um, that hasn't been fully tenanted or anything like yes. that, right? So all of them play a bigger picture in terms of how we show that to the bank. But I'll say, as an investor, you probably want to look at something around six to eight percent or higher on the cap rate. Yes, for sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And do you find that one of those elements has more weight than the others for the lenders? Uh, oh, for sure the the debt service the debt service ratios, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna simply look at that. If it's below one point two, that screams that a the property is on its way of not being cash flowing. If it's below one, it's not cash flowing at all, right? So that's a huge liability for them because they're gonna ask them why is this property not cash flowing? Like what's going on? Um, yes. Is there structural issues? Um, are the tenants not paying rent? Where is the property? Maybe that has a reason to do with it, right? So I would say making sure the um, um, the debt service coverage ratio um, is um, is there. I would say that's the most important. But again, it's not the be or end all. They'll definitely look at all three of them together to to build a better picture for you. Yes, and I guess if like if the cap rate is good and there's other considerations, maybe they would consider a one point five. I don't know, but I'm just yeah. Expecting. No, but, no, but exactly, and, and that's what the, the the like the commercial specialist. So we have a commercial specialist at the office that I work with, and and that's where we're able to paint the picture, right? Because <laughs> um, at the end of the day, if the net operating income is low, it's going to affect the cap rate, and it's going to affect the um, the uh, the debt service ratio, right? So then you have to look into why is the net operating income low? Well, it's a property in Chatham, let's say, and the owner lives in St. Catharines, completely opposite ends of Ontario. He's not able to make sure the, the tenants are, the, the uh, building is fully tenanted. He's not making sure the renovations are up to date um, and things of that nature. So that's going to affect the income potential of the property. Whereas like, let's say someone like you and Francois were to go in and be like, you know what? 
We're going to do a complete renovation. It's going to be fully tenanted out. We're going to increase the the rents um, because of the new renovation. That's going to bring up the uh, the um, the net operating income, thus helping the debt service ratio. Hopefully, gain that close to a one point five, one point six, and then your cap rate's also going to go up as well, right? So, so I think um, it's how you how you put the picture together for the commercial lender, right? So they won't, they won't ever just look at one because one just isn't enough to make a sound decision in terms of can we lend on this or not. Yeah, that makes sense. And on the commercial side of things, um, do you find that the interest rates differ from residential or are they the same? Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely higher. Um, it really depends. If you're um, uh, investor-owned, well, first of all, interest rates, I'll probably say anywhere between, uh, we work with BMO exclusively. Um, so that's the one thing. Yeah, so we're the we're the largest commercial lender in Canada under BMO, and right now you're probably looking anywhere between three to four percent. Um, again, it could yeah, it could it could be higher than that, depending on again, the property itself, right? Looking at the cap rate and things we just kind of went over and talked about. Uh, with um, with other credit unions and institutions, to be honest with you, I can't say specifically, but they all seem to be in that relative ballpark. Um, again, unless there's some major issues with the actual property, you probably you can get um, north of four percent, and also the term, right? So the lower the term, generally the lower the rate. As you as you lock in for longer term, two, three, four years, etc., the rates generally go up a little bit. Okay. Uh, we have another question here. So um, I don't know if it's Francois, maybe that asked this question because I know he said he was going to watch it. But uh, he said, what about yeah. out-of-province investing? Like, like, for example, Francois and I investing in New Brunswick. How, how does that affect the, the process or, or does it? Uh, are there lenders that won't let you uh, invest out-of-province? No, like most most provinces are again because we're in, we're in Canada. Most most banks are 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 pretty good. Um, again, not all finance institutions will, um, but I would say that in terms of investing, you just again it's just the way we structure the story, right? So for sure, you're looking at twenty uh, percent down, right? Very few banks will allow you because it's higher risk. So very few banks will let you put less than that, um, especially you coming in as a, as an investor. Um, but the rates and all that and all, well, they're pretty relatively the same, um, depending on the depending on the the actual province, right? And then mm -hmm. you as the person, rather, what's your story? Like, how's your income? How's your credit, etc. Um, but other than that, there's not too many red flags. Um, out of country is a different story. Yeah. <laughs> out, of, out of out of country is a different story. That's when you really it starts to get a little bit more complicated. Um, but as long as we're investing within Canada, generally you should have no issues if your story adds up. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess one last question would be, uh, you had said, uh, Charlie, that um, Bank of Canada is probably going to be keeping the interest rates pretty low and probably for at least another year. Yeah. What do you see happening in 2021 as far as mortgages? Uh, if you could have your little crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, this, this is a very interesting question. Um, Based on all the reports I've been seeing, um, I, once they open up the borders, yeah, it's um, <laughs> once they open up the borders, I think the real estate is going to shoot through the roof like mm. we've never seen because the rates are so low, right? Because we're now we're going to right now what we're seeing is a lot of just Canadians investing, um, yes. but once we open up those borders and now we're going to get all the people from um, from 
um, across the border, and you know all the all our friends and families over you know in the in the Asian countries, African countries, etc., coming back in to invest in Canada and the GTA. Real estate prices are going to shoot through the roof, and I think to mellow that out, they're going to be. I feel like their hand is almost going to be forced to start raising interest rates back up by the by the end of 2021. To kind of cool it off a little bit. To cool it off a little bit. No, and and that's why I suspect, even though they said, you know, till 2022, 2023, they're looking to keep the rates the same. But I think once they realize, again, they're going to have to open up the economy and the borders eventually. And when that happens, I think there's going to be a a good, you know, uh, six-month period where the market is going to be super hot. Everyone's going to be buying because we have so much investors, so much competition coming back into the market, right? Yeah, um, That they're going to be more than now, believe it or not. <laughs> um, oh, I can't that, imagine that. No, yeah. no, 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 don't invest. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Where, uh, where I feel that um, they're going to be forced to do something with the interest rates. Not a lot, but maybe just sim- simply bring it back up. Um, to help uh, cool down the market a, a little bit, a little well, bit. I deter a few, even if it's just a few points. Right? Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. That that's what I'm thinking. And, and who knows? The, the the market's volatile right now, right? As we know right now, again, we can only see what's in front of us, and that's very advantageous rates for investors and and those uh, looking to get into real estate. There's no mm-hmm. better time if obviously uh, the the income and, and the credit is where it needs to be, um, mm-hmm. but especially for investors like yourself and Francois, there's, I would say, this is the best time to, to get in the market and secure what you have to generate that long-term wealth. Yes, that's true. And that's a good point. So if somebody wants to uh, uh, invest in real estate and they want to get to know Charlie and find out more about mortgages, where can they get a hold of you? Because I don't, I don't think that your handle, if your handle is not your name. It's... Uh... Yeah, so yeah, so this is where I do all my um my my business account. So uh underscore let's get real four one six. Um that's where I handle all my mortgage related inquiries. I, I do also one on one mortgage cons- uh, consultations free over Zoom, one hour, where I sit down with investors, you know, first time home buyers, etc. And we pretty much map out a game plan for whatever their needs are. Right now, obviously, being the, the market the way it is, I'm getting a lot of uh, calls with investors and really sitting down with them and mapping out their long-term goals, their real estate investment plans, uh, what uh, investing strategy they're looking to use. And we pretty much strategize on the financing side what that's going to look like. So they can easily sh- give me a follow there. Uh, and again, they can shoot me a DM, very responsive. From there, we can exchange contact information and uh, we, can, we can start talking real estate. Oh, that's great. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me tonight. I'm sorry that Francois couldn't be here. He, he no, really, no, no, uh, no. A, I'm sure he's listening. He, he's like, I'm missing the market because um, anyway, we want to be working more on the commercial side of things. He's like, oh, I really wanted to chat with him more and, and hear all that. So I'm sure he's listening. And no, else I'm sure that they're happy to um, to hear this. And um, if you guys want to get a hold of Charlie, I'm sure he'll be happy to um, chat with you. And uh, chin chin. So thank you. And I also want to say, I also want to say thank you to you and you and Francois, right? To to give me the time to to come on your platform and talk a little bit and educate about mortgages and and financing. It means a lot. And uh, hopefully we uh, this not only the first, but we have multiple conversations and and hope we have the chance to even do business together in the near future. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, hundred percent. Cheers. Yes, have a good night. You as well. (laughs) Bye bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Wine and Real Estate with us. So don't forget, you can follow us on social media, Instagram. Our handle is FL underscore homes underscore corp. You can also find us on Facebook, FL Homes Corp. And um, you can also find us on YouTube on our channel. So you can see video recordings of these podcasts and more. And so until the next time, cheers.